0: Welcome to When We Speak, where we shed stigmas, say goodbye to shame, strengthen ourselves, and encourage others. I am your host, Tasha Hunter. This is a podcast where I am blending the intersections of race, gender, sexuality, faith, and trauma. If there is a topic that most people say we're not supposed to talk about, I'm talking about it. Because that is how we heal. We don't heal in silence. We heal by speaking out. So today I have uh, Sonia Herbert here, and she and I met on Instagram. Was I in your DM? Using you my DM, we just started talking. I don't know how we met. Yes, but it but but it was a quick connection. Just tell listeners who you are. Just kind of introduce yourself.
1: You know, I, I was asked this question, um, in, in an interview, not long ago, the answer I gave, I must say, I thought that's a pretty good damn answer. So instead of like going in about like all the things I do, um, which doesn't necessarily define who I am. Uh, but before all of that stuff, I am first of all, the one and only daughter of Betty Price and J.B. Embry. (laughs) I am the sister to Juan and Trent Price and Marcus Hendricks, who is my half-brother. I'm the mother of Rebecca and Jeremy Herbert. I'm a best friend to a few, friends to a couple. I'm a mentor to many folks, um, maybe, um, a counselor to some as well, but I mean, those that's who I was, that's who I am. Like, you know, that's where I came from. Um, and then all the other parts of me are just like extras. Yeah. And it's, I, I decided to tell it like that because I realized that, um, you can get caught up in like, you did this and you did this now. Besides that, (laughs) now as you know who I really am, all the other parts of me are, um, I'm a classical Pilates instructor. I consider myself a rebel and that's a whole other podcast within that industry. Mm -hmm. Um, I am um, a competitive power lifter whenever I get ready Um, in master's two, which means like I'm 52 years old. So I'm, you know, the 51 to 59 Uh, I've been competing since 2018, so I'm fairly new, but I enjoy it. Um, I'm also a pretty new uh, anti-racism educator and consultant, but um, I'm not new to being Black, so (laughs) Um, I'm having the Black experiences. So, yes. (laughs) Y'all don't see me over here, but I'm like, yes, Yes. bitch, yes. Yes. I'm (laughs) not new to being Black. I'm not new yes. to being
0: like yes, I've been Black since day
1: one. Since okay. day one in utero everything. And yes. um on my birth certificate in 1968 it has negro by my name, negro by my mama name and negro by my daddy name. <laughs> so yes. I've been That's black it. established in 1968. <laughs> yes,
0: Yes. So So Sonia, what I love about your, your intro is that sometimes we do get caught up. Like for me, I always say, you know, I'm a therapist, I'm an author, I'm a podcaster, I'm a military veteran. Mm -hmm. That ain't really shit. I wasn't born to be none of those things.
1: We weren't that yet. (laughs) We
0: didn't know we were going to (laughs) be. First of all, I'm a black woman, Mm -hmm. right? I'm a survivor. I'm a rebel. Like Mm -hmm. all of those things. That's who I really am. This mm-hmm. other stuff—that's just what I do. Like that's just; those are just roles. That's not who I am at my core. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I and and so just hearing you, it makes me now think of of ways in which I want to reintroduce myself mm-hmm. when I'm being interviewed and when I'm you know out here in these in these streets. You Street. know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So so I want to talk about your work with anti-racism because. When I started following you on social mm-hmm. and w- with a whole bunch of other bomb ass black women who mm-hmm. are doing this work of anti-racism. Yeah. You have a very specific niche. You're not just saying I'm an anti-racism educator. No, mm-hmm. no, no. You're an anti-racism educator specifically with and correct me if I'm wrong. Is it with yoga, Pilates, uh, fitness? Mm-hmm. Is that is that kind of your, your niche or?
1: Yeah. With the fitness industry as a whole, with a um, specific emphasis on Pilates, because that's that's the industry that I do my work in. That's where I work mostly. And that is the industry that I disrupt and have disrupted many times. And where I found that we were underrepresented or just not represented at all. And out of that, out of knowing that we were not being represented and the feelings of loneliness as a black woman within a industry like Pilates, that's very white centered. I founded black girl Pilates in 2017. And so that was kind of my part of my answer to that, um, loneliness and bringing us, those of us in the industry feeling the same way together and as a collective, and mostly I'd be, I'd say, I don't even want to say, um, yeah, as a collective, we have, uh, disrupted the Pilates industry and, um, al- alone, I'll say, you know, I do, uh, a lot of education and I've done some calling out. I've named some names too. Um, I've lost some friends behind it or so-called friends, even some black friends, really. Or I found out, let's just say I didn't lose friends. I found out I found out who really was who really was riding with black liberation. I won't say me, but who was really riding with black liberation from the black community and um, white people. We already knew what they we already knew what they were going to do anyway. So it's no big deal. I have been thinking about it for a long time because The very first anti-racism educator that I met was this woman named Catrice M. Jackson. And most people kind of feel that she's a bit uh, radical in her approach. I like her approach. I understand it. Um, We're all not, all of our approaches are going to be different. I remember her asking me if I would consider helping this one Pilate studio do like an anti-racism plan. And I was like, yeah, but I was like, I've never done this before and she's like, you could do you can do it. She said, you black right? And I was like, yeah. And not that that constitutes us being able like we should because we black we can, you know, oh of course we can be anti-racism educated, blah 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 blah. you know that's not everybody's ministry, you know. Um, but it's something that's been there for a while and I just never jumped on it you know because of confidence level. And um, so she was sort of the beginnings and, and start of, of that, you know, being in the back of my head years ago. And then the people who really pushed me to um, step out there for real are my friends, Monique Melton, um, who has um, I think she has like the shine box. Um, she's Mo Monivate online. And then my friend, um, Rebecca Baruki, who is Beck's life and also Layla Saad. I had talked to all three of them, and I said, "This is what I want to do, but I don't know if I can do it." And they're like, "Why are you saying you cannot do this?" And they they really like they listen. They're like, "Hey, if you want to bounce something off of me, do it, you know. But you can do this. This is needed for your specific part of uh, of society or the world, right?" Um, Nobody's really doing anti-racism for fitness. Definitely not doing it for Pilates for sure, but definitely not for for fitness. You can do this. And so I just was like, "Okay, let's let's see what happens. I know what I'm getting myself into because I know the um, the kickback that I got for starting a uh, (laughs) affinity group, um, that does not include not one white person at all, other than like my my sisters who are biracial, but not one white person is present in that group. Um, so um, I knew what I was I was already kind of prepared for the kickback I was going to get once I you know, put that out there and started speaking out a little too much.
0: So in 2017, you decided to um, to kind of create your own lane. Mm hmm. And and start speaking out about racism, white supremacy within the Pilates industry. Mm-hmm. Was there a specific event that kind of ignited this drive, this passion that you have for it, and and just said, you know what, it's now. I got to do this now. Was there? I know a lot of people say, well, it was George Floyd, or it was it mm-hmm. was Trayvon, or it was you know Michael Brown, or whoever. The you know so many black people, sisters and brothers, we've lost. Was there a specific event from that or was there something else that happened?
1: You know, what's funny is that, (laughs) um, there was, it wasn't. And, and during that time, you know, as we both know in 2017, like there was the Ferguson stuff. There yes. was uh, lots of things that happened with Michael Brown and all kinds mm-hmm. of things like that. And it wasn't them. You know what it was? It was a breakup oh. from a boyfriend who was horrible, who <laughs> was just a narcissistic asshole. And yeah. there I was. Yeah, it had nothing to do. I mean, it had to do with Black people, but it didn't have to be with, about Black people. But um, yeah, I, I found myself just wondering. Um, what I, you know, what, what am I really doing here? Like, what am I really doing? And then thinking back to feeling like I don't see anybody in Pilates. I started following just all these Pilates instructors. Right. But I noticed that I was following a bunch of white Pilates instructors. And I was like, but where are oh, all the black. I know there's black people out there. It has to be, it can't just be me. It can't just be me, my teacher, another teacher trainer and like two other friends that I know. I mean, it can't just be the five of us. Surely there's other people out there. And so um, I just kind of went on a search, you know, to do it. And, you know, I really didn't expect for it to blow up the way that it has. Um, And I mean, there's, you know, there's lots of podcasts out there with me, articles I've written um, about the group and why I started it and all that kind of stuff like that. Um, And how, you know, I mean, we did experience some controversy because it's an affinity group, you know, because, you know, I don't allow white people there. Yeah. It wasn't like, it wasn't one of the, it wasn't like a Michael Brown, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor thing. It was just cause this motherfucker was horrible. And yeah. it just made me sort of like stop and think I was kind of in a valley. Right. And I didn't, I was feeling kind of depressed and, just kind of wondering about like what's you know what am what am I doing next or am I doing anything next or am I supposed to be doing this or and it came right then and there. Now here's the interesting thing, and I just realized this literally like maybe two months ago. So there is um, there's a Pilate's elder. Um, and of course, that's a whole podcast. But the elders are folks who worked specifically with Joseph Pilates. Two of the elders are actually uh, one is a brown woman, Puerto Rican woman, and one is a black woman, Kathy Grant. The day that I actually started and launched Black Girl Pilates was 10 years from the day that she died. We have people in, in our group who worked with this woman like from when she was at Henry Bendel's until she died, they knew her like a long time. And I told one, I told um, Sarita Allen, who's one of those folks. And I was like, you know, I just realized this, this is crazy. And I was just like, I wonder, you know, obviously that must, that means something, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, It was like, you know how, when someone dies, like there's all, there's always a birth. Yes. So it was as if, it was as if like she left the earth, but then she was rebirthed through uh, Black Girl Pilates, and uh, that really just like did something for me.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely understand that, and and there is somebody that comes along to kind of pick up the torch. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, and and brings kind of a new energy to it as as well when that happens. Mm-hmm. And you know this mm-hmm. this work of decolonizing. Mm -hmm. um, the Pilates industry, um, Pilates spaces, fitness spaces, what needs to happen? What, what do you mean? You know, what needs to happen to really decolonize?
1: What does that work look like? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think that's a very general, I think it's a very general answer that you can give to everything. Um, the very first thing, and it's, it's a lot more simple than, then white folks are making it because they're thinking it's gotta, you gotta do all this, all this stuff. And I was like, well, no, actually your very first step is to acknowledge your part in all of this. And a lot of people would, you know, a lot of white folks would say, well, but I never owned slaves or whatever. Well, I ain't never been a slave either. But <laughs> but I mean, but I but I experienced the I've experienced the repercussions from my ancestors being enslaved and you're experiencing the benefits from your folks being a part of a, a part of that and and living off the benefit, living off of um the hard work of my ancestors. Right. Um, so you don't have to be directly involved, but you are directly involved. And so it's sort of like, you know, in, in, uh, when you talk about it in, um, you know, with substance use, someone who is an alcoholic, and I use this analogy all the time, you know, they have to first acknowledge it for, that they are an alcoholic, if they want, if they really truly want to do something about it, and they're seeing that their substance use is causing issues for them individually and the people within their environment, and they know that needs to change because they can see it, they have to acknowledge that it's a problem. And they also have to accept that there is a problem and that they are also part of that problem right Mm -hmm. um and so that's the first step to decolonizing anything especially for white folks even for ourselves as black people but speaking specifically about white folks um that's that's the beginning you know and saying you know whatever part i played i know i I know i played some whether Mm -hmm. you didn't have you don't have to use the n-word or you know or wear a you know a white sheet over your head or cheek torch or whatever, you know, white supremacy shows up in everything,
0: you Mm -hmm. know?
1: So, I mean, there's, it doesn't have, it doesn't have a costume.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I love what you said. You know, first of all, before you do anything, just like with anything else, there has to be some Mm acknowledgments of whiteness. Right. And, and, and there has to be some acknowledgement of of white supremacy specifically Mm -hmm. uh, that exists. And when I think about Pilates studios and whatnot, mm-hmm. these are in largely white areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, the classes are pretty much majority white.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Typically, there's a specific body frame that exists. Mm-hmm. And, and so thinking about who's being hired, yeah. what's, who are the people that are on the marketing like teams, mm-hmm. who are the people that exist on the commercials or on the marketing materials in the magazines, Mm-hmm. so that's in my mind and I don't have nearer than the knowledge that you have
1: mm-hmm.
0: but when I think about Pilates I act I automatically historically have always said that's some white folk shit right there Yeah, exactly <laughs> it, it, it's never felt yeah. like it was for us because I never and partly because I'm, I live in a small town mm-hmm. I never saw black people
1: represented so yeah. I don't know if you have anything yeah go ahead or even, or doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. So imagine Mm -hmm. you have someone like Kathy Grant, who at that time was the only black woman teaching Pilates, period. Mm -hmm. And so she was the reason why, um, you know, many of the black celebrities and artists and et cetera, you know, came to her because they're like, oh, there's this exercise method, but damn, there's a black woman who actually teaches it. So let me let me go over here and see what this is about. Cause I've heard about her. I feel like within our plot, within the Pilates industry that she's very popular. Right. Mm-hmm. But she's also, she's also uh, her blackness is also erased. Right. Mm-hmm. So they, they benefit off of her knowledge because she was a brilliant woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but they erase her, her blackness. They say, well, you know, she was a black woman and she, you know, they give the his you know, the history stuff, but, but at the same time, they're also erasing her blackness at the same, you know, besides um, just talking about like that, she was a black woman and she grew up in, you know, the civil rights era and blah, blah, blah. And they wouldn't let her, Do ballet with the other white kids, all that stuff, you know. Um, And so, it's kind of like they're giving her this Martin Luther King history um, and quoting her, you know. But then, but but they're also not acknowledging her blackness and her true lived experiences, you know. Mm -hmm. They're just kind of, you know, going back to uh, decolonizing Pilates. And we talked about like acknowledgement and, and acceptance. I just want to drive home a point that that's also individual to like, this is a, this is anti-racism. Decolonization is individual work and it's, it's, it's like surgery, you know, it's like open heart surgery mm-hmm. and you're, you know, you're replacing someone's heart, um, with one that's, 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 uh, healthier. Right. Um, and it takes a long time to recover from that surgery and you have to go through all this physical therapy and healing and things like that. Right. So that's what, that's what decolonizing anything is, because when you start looking at yourself and, And you acknowledge that you are also, yes, I've been a part of the problem. Yes, I've actually done this. I've thought this. Maybe I've said it. Maybe I didn't. You know, that's when you your eyes start to open and the things that you thought were just, you know, well, that's just normal. You find out it really isn't normal at all. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's actually just white supremacy. Yeah, it's not Maybelline. (laughs) It's white supremacy. And where does white
0: privilege where where does where do you see white privilege existing in the world of Pilates? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we see it a lot on, you know, they when they have like conferences, workshops, um, all these fests, as I call them, mm-hmm. <laughs> this fest, that fest. Um, the majority of the speakers are, um, you know, they're they're white. They're they're your white uh, Pilates, Hollywood folks. Now, since last year, things have changed and you are starting to see black faces. Right. But that doesn't always mean that it's going to be a safe space. It doesn't mean that there has been change either, because we've seen that happen before. We've been there, done that before all of this. We've seen it happen before. But but the the individuals have not changed. And when the individuals don't change and the environment doesn't change. Now that it's sort of in, it's in to have black people, (laughs) you know, what they do is, what white people do is they pick and choose specific black people to be a part of their events. Right. So I went through and I was looking at all of the different conferences and conversations and all this kind of stuff. And I started seeing the same faces. And so it's like white supremacy, right. And good old boy systems showing up. So they find, they find the black people that they like, and this is no shade against any of those people. Cause I know all of them and they're all brilliant and amazing and all this stuff like that and gifted. But what I'm looking to see is Am I going to see those same black faces in the next couple of months? Because if I do, then that's a problem. Because what that says is that you're really not doing your individual work because deep work will say, "Okay, these are great. But this isn't all the black people out there. There's some other folks out there. Let me go see who else is out there. Let me see what other voice is out there. Let me find voices that that scare me, (laughs) that trigger me. But I know that I know that I need this because that is my individual work. And so that's what I'm looking to see. Okay, cool. You brought in all these people, but. Am I going to see the same group of black people running through all of the same workshops, doing all the same interviews? Is that what I'm going to see? Because if that is the case, you have not changed and you have no plans to change. You are trying to create um, a very comfortable bed of white supremacy with a black face.
0: It it almost seems like that could be adjacent to tokenism Mm -hmm. and Yeah. Just okay. You know, you're our black. You know, we're going to get these three black people and they're (laughs) going to be our speakers. And every time we do something, we're just going to use these three. And that proves that we're committed to diversity if we use these three people.
1: Mm -hmm. Because what they'll say is, and this is true here. Here's facts right here for quite some time. The only black people that we saw in um, the Pilates industry, like doing, like even in magazines, sometimes doing web doing workshops, blah, 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 were two black men. One is a straight black man. He's fine as hell. So that's one, two, guess what the other uh, black man was. They love their gay men. Mm-hmm. So they put all of the, um, they put all of the black community on them. So anytime they would, uh, anytime you know, maybe we would bring up, you know, well, we don't. There's no where's the representation. Then their first thing is like, well, there's Chris Robinson, there's Brett Howard, but does <laughs> you can't put all of the black Pilates community on on their backs. You know how many other black Pilates instructors are out here, and there's no there's no excuse now because none of them can come back and say, well, I can't find nobody. You a lie. (laughs) All you have to do is go over to our, our Instagram. And there's a whole bunch of them, or you can even reach out and say, Hey, you know, I really, I realized that, um, my event that I had was just nothing but white people. Mm -hmm. And so I'm working on my individual shit and I'm trying to change that. And I, you know, I love to have some speakers that I can pay. Can you recommend? Absolutely. I got four, f- almost 500 of them. I can recommend They're, you know, identify as women. And if you need some dudes, I got some of them too. That's it. <laughs> some gay people, some queer people. I got some of them too. Looking for some, for some trans, uh, black trans folks to certify. And when uh-huh. I find them, I got them too. <laughs> but I, I, I think that, um, you know, the proof is in the pudding, you know, sometimes you have to sit back and sort of watch things. And I was Mm -hmm. telling my group that I know y'all are really happy that these organizations have, you know, um, and, you know, invited you in and giving you this amount of control and are sponsoring you and stuff like that, but you cannot get happy we can't just be like, okay, whew, it's done. It's not done. Like that's the beginning. Go back to the two black people that they're, they've are they been using for decades mm-hmm. or three, really, if we put in Kathy Grant, the three mm-hmm. black people that they've been using for decades.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if we said anything, yeah. they'd be like, well, there's Kathy Grant and there's Chris Robinson and there's Brett Howard or whatever, but they don't, they're not the entire black community and there's so many other people out here. So do you think they will not do that again with this new group of Black faces? Yeah.
0: Sonya, everything you said is making so much sense to me because I think about the conferences that I've attended Mm
1: -hmm. where
0: you may have 30 different white people. Mm -hmm. If you can have 30 different white people, (laughs) you can have 30 different people of color or 30 different Black people. Okay. and we're the only, as far as I know, and I could be wrong, mm-hmm. we're the only race of people that have to remind others that we are not a monolith. Mm-hmm. We literally are not, just like you're yeah. not, mm-hmm. we're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you bring us to the table, mm-hmm. if you if you bring you're going to get diverse perspectives because we all have diverse experiences and backgrounds.
1: Right. We all come from, you know. There's black people in Panama who teach Pilates. There's, yes. So you know, there's black people from down south. You know, down south black people is different from up north black people. You know or as i would say, or as we would say in the black community rather down south niggas is different from up north yeah. they they are yes. they're different yes you know <laughs> and west coast niggas is different than east coast niggas but we all black at the end of the day and we're all going to get on the boat right so what makes us what makes us uh, not a monolith cultural differences right i was married to a british west indian black man Sometimes I don't know what the hell he was talking about. And sometimes he didn't know what the hell I was talking about. Cultural differences, right? Mm-hmm. You know, hair texture. You know, like my hair texture is different than yours. Mm-hmm. It's different than my daughter's. You know, my nephew's hair texture is completely different than mine, but we all still black though, you know. Um, you know, even ethnicity. My nephew is also half Mexican. So he is he is also Mexican. <laughs> You know, I ain't, but he mm-hmm. is, you know. Um, and so those are the things that, that don't make us uh, a monolith. Um, and I'm bringing this up because I did a whole talk on misuse of the word monolith, um, particularly in our community. They were like, oh, we're not a monolith. We're not a monolith. But what that doesn't have anything to do with, it doesn't have anything to do with choice and opinion, mm-hmm. because you and I could have differences of opinions on things. Mm-hmm. Um, like for instance, and this is what I used in my life, like for instance, like you could, you could choose to, um, co-host your podcast with a white woman, but I'm not, mm-hmm. <laughs> I won't. That's, yeah. That's your yeah. choice to do so and it is your opinion that it's okay to do that. Yeah. What does that have to do with black people being a monolith? Nothing choice and opinions are, are different than being a monolith. We're talking about culture and, culture. and all that stuff. But that's what we're talking about. When you talk that's about it. Like, whether I want to be independent or you want to be a Republican or you think that black people had a choice to be you know slaves or not. Those are opinions and choices to feel that way. <laughs> I just wanted to bring that up because I was really proud of myself when I did that talk.
0: <laughs> no, because that's important yeah. when, when I think about black people and yeah. and we are, as we know, the global global majority For me. yeah we are mm-hmm. so when others try to just like lump us into one well you can't you can't you literally can't because the cu-
1: we all have different cultures take africa that's a whole continent yeah. You gonna tell me Zimbabwe and Gold Coast and, <laughs> and Ethiopia and Egypt, which is also an Africa people. So get it together. I mean, that all of those people, all of those people are the same. They don't yeah. even speak the same language. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. So many dialects, you know, but well, Egypt, let's take them out of it. But there are black Egyptians, but we all black though.
0: So yeah. I have a I have a follow up question. Earlier, you talked about Black people being safe, and and I will admit that there I am at a stage in my life I am very nervous about being in majority white spaces, and I really try not to be, if at all possible. I try not to be in a room in a space mm-hmm. where there are no people of color. Mm-hmm. It, it feels unsafe for me, Mm -hmm. but in terms of the Pilates world, what do white folk, what do they need to do if they're committed to anti-racism? What's something Mm -hmm. that they can do
1: to create safety for black people? I wanna feel safe with them individually. (laughs) I was like, can I walk up? I said, let's just say that there was an issue within the Pilates studio between me and a client Another instructor is there, the white instructor is there, and they're they're seeing what's going on. Obviously, the client is always going to be white most of the time. You know, here I am going back and forth with the client. You know that the client is wrong. But it's most of the time that they are. And you're standing there, you're standing there watching. If you're doing, if you're really doing some deep individual work, you will pay attention to what's going on and look for any signals for you to jump in and, and help if you have to look for signals to jump in or when things are said and done, going and checking on that coworker and say, Hey, I saw what happened and this was racist or whatever. And, um, if you need for someone to be a witness, I will go with you to the manager, blah, 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 and say, I saw it, it was racist and something needs to be done about that client or whatever. Like that's a person that's actually doing the work. That's a person who is making themselves safe. But I think also not just doing that type of work, but making yourself safe is is also acknowledging when you fucked up. When you've done when you've done something wrong. If they can't acknowledge uh when they've been called out or called or whatever y'all want to call it or held accountable, they're not they're not safe at all. They're not yeah. safe at all. That is so good. And support me on. You can't support me on one hand, but then when you called out decide that, well, I don't understand what's wrong. Okay, then you're not really you're not really doing the work. That's that's part of the work. That's just that's I, t- I tell my students I'm just like it's adult shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's how you grow up. That's how you mature. That's how you keep maturing. You have to accept accountability. So -hmm. if you can't accept accountability, then you don't really want to do the work.
0: Mm -hmm. Have there been instances in the past where you've seen racism play out in the in the fitness industry where you you saw something or became aware of something and you were like, that shit's racist right there. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. I'll tell you a personal story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, I used to work for um, I used to work for Equinox. I'm not afraid to call their name because I'll never work for them again anyway. Um, I do have friends who work there, but you know whatever. And early in my sort of Pilates career, not too early, but early enough, um, I was working there. I was doing really, really well. Um, I did have um, a really great manager, a manager of of the Equinox that I worked at, who was really great knew that I was good at what I did. So I was like, I was, I was really, my sales numbers were incredible. So a lot of the membership advisors would be like, Sonia can, she can like turn this person into a client like that. Like she's that good we, my, my, uh, Pilates manager was leaving and I thought, you know what, I'd like to give my, give a, tr- give it a try at managing the studio. Cause you know, like, Hey, like I'm doing good. And they'd be asking me like, how do you be converting and stuff like this? So, you know, I'm like on my, you know, <laughs> I'm on my like, you know, cash shit and all that stuff, you know? So, I apply for the job and um I tell my coworkers, I was like, hey, I just want you all to know that I am um that I'm applying for this position. I sent them all an email from my personal email, not my not my Equinox email, but my personal email. Okay. And so they're like, okay, cool. Like we, you know, we we got you, whatever, right? Just letting them know what's happening. So my previous The manager that was on her way out, a white woman, I found out from one of my coworkers, a a black girl who I've known for years, that she went to the national Pilates manager and told her that I sent an email out saying that I was applying for the job. And so she told my friend and my friend was really upset about it. She's like, Sonia, this really just pissed me off that she did that but she was like well I don't think that she should be doing that kind of thing and whatever I was like yeah so I said thank you for the heads up and all that stuff she said I just she said I just wasn't willing to keep something like that secret because she said that's just fucked up I kept you know I I knew that you know I was going to be having a meeting with the national manager so I go in a white woman obviously and um you know she's talking to me about, you know, the job and stuff. And she's like, well, I understand that there was an email that you sent out to your coworkers and that, um, you know, you're telling them that you were applying for the manager position and all this stuff. And I said, yeah, I did from my personal email. And she said, well, you don't, you know, you don't share things like that. And I was like, why wouldn't I share something like that? And by the way, how did you find out about that? I already knew. And she's like, well, I was, you know, I was told by someone and I was like, well, you know what? Here's the thing that if that's someone who told you that they had a problem with my email, a grown, mature person would come and talk to me about it versus coming to you and telling you about it. And she's like, well, but I should know. I said, but a grown person who's mature, who has a problem with me, should have come to me and told me what that problem was. So I was literally letting her know that I know um, who said it and did it. Right. Um, I ended up working with that person again later, which was interesting because um, she was the reason why I came to that particular studio because she she uh, she she referred. Um, just, you know, out of the blue, she referred me to them. She said, oh, she's an excellent instructor. You should bring her in. Right. And so that's the shit that I'm talking about where if someone's safe, right. You're supporting me on this hand, on this part, but you're, but you're stabbing me in the back on the other side. Right. So that's not, that's not, a that's not safe. Right. I,
0: yeah. That exact scenario. I just want to say, I have seen that scenario play out in every organization that I have worked for, where, and I've seen it in white and black people, but I'm gonna just talk about white people right now. Mm -hmm. Where I'm your friend over here, Mm -hmm. and and I'm (laughs) and and I'm cool over here. I got your back over here, and I'm even gathering information though, right? Okay. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But then when you turn your back, or if you're not in the room, I'm gonna stab you. I will stab you in the back yep. first chance I get and, yep. and, and and I might try to get you fired. I might try to get you written up. Mm-hmm. I have seen that scenario play out so many times between white people in leadership, mm-hmm. white coworkers, white military members. Mm-hmm. I mean, they literally will try to end how you provide for your family, how you feed yourself while at the same time acting like they're your closest friend.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's not, that's not a safe person. Again, you can't, you can't be held accountable or don't understand why you need to be held accountable for something that you did, but then you want to act like you want to support me. So you can't, yeah, you can't be on one side. I mean, that's not even anybody's friend. If we take, if we take the race stuff out of it, Mm -hmm. like even if, who, you know, whatever, let's say we're just all, we all had no color, <laughs> you know, and you did that to someone like, would you want that person to be your friend? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> like you are gonna refer me and you're going to, and you're going to stab me at the back at the same time. Like mm, you're not safe. You're not safe at all.
0: Well, and, uh, my listeners have heard me say this thing that I'm about to say. They've heard me say it before, and I'm going to say it right here again. Everything that is wrong in the world, as far as I can tell, I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. It is steep in white supremacy. Mm-hmm. So even that whole conversation, the scenario that you, the example that you just gave about, you were just saying, I'm gonna apply for this job. Mm-hmm. What way would that be wrong? Why is that against policy to just Why tell somebody, <laughs> this job is opening, I'm gonna apply for it. Okay. <laughs> it's deep in white supremacy and not wanting black people to have any kind of advantage or opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Unless yeah. they they want to be in charge of the opportunity. You can't mm-hmm. do this. And that's the same and and Sonia, please correct me if i'm wrong. But in my opinion, i bu- i believe that that is the same like in the vein of like white supremacy where we have policies in our organizations that says you can't talk about money. You can't talk about employment. You can't talk about religion. You can't talk about politics. Why are you trying to legislate and control what I talk about? What's the harm in me saying, well, this is how much they offered me, how much they offered you? Mm -hmm. What's the harm in comparing? Because if we don't start talking about these conversations, these things openly, Mm -hmm. how do we know that, that equality exists? exactly <laughs> how do we know that a company really is anti-racist a- and anti, you know against homophobia how do yeah. we know if we're not having open and honest conversations
1: conversations yeah and again it goes back to like so so you want to hire me but you don't want me to talk about <laughs> how much i made or um you know, because it's going to cause, it's going to cause a problem for you. Why would you want to hide something like that when you can easily actually go on Google and find out what, you know, someone makes, uh, depending on the industry, what someone typically average, uh, what someone makes, uh, you know, and stuff like that. Right. It's, it's interesting to me how, um, I've had, you know, other times where white people have tried to Again, another story, this is a Pilates story, someone um, at my current studio. I I don't think she's working there right now, but she's a master teacher, right? So I met her years ago, like in my early, I you know, I was just a you know, I was I was you know pretty new. She thought I was an excellent instructor, which she's right. And so I found out that she was working there. And so, you know, I mean, I'm a pretty nice person, you know, contrary to popular beliefs. And so, you know, it's like, hey, you know, it's been a while, I hadn't seen you in ever or whatever. I remember you telling me I was a great instructor, you're right, obviously, all that stuff. So then you never know anybody until you start working with them. At Pilates Studios, there's, there, there can be lots of turnover sometimes for, for various reasons, right? People leaving or just people get sick or whatever. You know, so uh, my manager at the time, who was actually a friend of mine, had asked me like, hey, can you, do you mind um, taking over these classes? He said, I know you don't like to work at this time of morning, but can you just take them over until I find somebody? It's was like, okay, cool. He was like, the reason why I'm asking you is because people love your classes and people love you. I wouldn't ask you if I didn't think you were shit, which I know that because that's the kind of person that he is. So I was like, OK, cool, fine. Just make sure you find somebody because I don't do seven o'clock in the morning like that. Anyway, so I was taking over these classes. You know, I guess she was just paying attention. <laughs> you know, um, I remember her coming up to me one day. This is on my break. And she's like, you know, you are uh, you are such a hard worker. And I was like, I am. And she's like, yeah, you you know, you're just you know, you're, you know, you're teaching a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so she was like, do you know how many hours you're teaching? I said, I have no, no idea. (laughs) And of course I know how many hours I'm teaching, but I was like, whose business is that? Why are you so concerned? Like, again, here's an example. Sonia's this amazing teacher. You need to hire her. She's going to be great. You are such a hard worker trying to be all up in my business to see how many hours I'm working. You're a master fucking teacher. You get paid more than I do. Motherfuckers come here to take your class. Well, I have no idea. But anyway, another podcast. So why are you so worried about me who is just a senior teacher, not a master teacher, just a senior teacher when you're making probably $20 more than me? Maybe 30. I don't know. Why are you so concerned how many classes I'm teaching? Girl, you teach a lot of classes. You even teach shit outside of here. So why are you so concerned? And she right. tried to do that shit again. And I told my friend about it. And I was like, you might want to get your girl because she, if she do it again, I'm a hurt of feelings. <laughs> so, but I was already, I was just like, can you not tell by what I'm by my face and how I'm responding to you that I'm not gonna tell you shit? Like it is not none of your business. Mind your business. Okay, get out of mind.
0: As you were talking about that, it reminded me of that TikTok meme or the little videos that are like you'll never be lonely because there's always gonna be a white person that's
1: gonna be like in your business. Mm Yeah. (laughs) Right back there. I didn't even I'm just trying to be black and die, like my mom said. (laughs) That's it. I'm just trying to be black and die. (laughs) But yet you will still you will still be there and you still you still have something to say. You know, yeah, and all of that. And I was just like, I'm not even in your business. I don't even really care, to yeah. be honest. But here yeah. you come.
0: Like <laughs> Yeah. I think that this is such an important conversation. Um, and and I just everything that you've said so far is just I love the fact that you know, when we think about racism, I've not ever consciously thought about how it exists in the fitness area, but it exists everywhere. So why wouldn't it? Yeah.
1: Why wouldn't you? Exactly.
0: Right.
1: It, yeah. it literally is every single place. But I think, so- you know, what it is, is that, um, and this is something I think I might have talked about in a live is because, or no, I wrote it in a post um, about why are we not talking about um, racism and fitness? And it's because we're just like, oh, well, we just work, you know, it's a mind body thing. We're not out here talking about that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> so wait a minute. So if it's mind, body, spirit, you know my spirit is black. So I'm just mm-hmm. like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know my mind, you know the things I think about, my experiences. You know those are black experiences, right? You know my body is black. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna tell me that I, I have to separate my blackness, um, mm-hmm. from my mind, body, spirit, from my health and wellness and my fitness. So I have to separate that. You're trying to say, so you're trying to do an all lives matter or Mm -hmm. colorblind shit. Mm -hmm. Like, no, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. This is an industry like any other industry like Mm -hmm. finance. There's, you know, like social work, we're both social workers, right? How many times have we seen racism show up in social work and people would say, but we're out here helping people. It don't make no difference. How many times have we seen it? How many all the time? Yes. White social workers have we seen come into agencies where the primary um, clientele are black and brown people, regardless of their intersection, do therapy with them, do case management, be supervisors, be program directors, be directors of programs be on the boards of these organizations and make decisions based upon our communities. It's the same thing in Pilates in the fitness industry. Who's on their boards? White folks? Who's at the top of the food chain? White people? You can put as black lower level management folks, if you want, as you want, but ain't nobody up here look like me and ain't nobody up there making no decisions. So none of this. So separating, you know, into like, you know, well, there's racism over here. Cause they trying to put it off in politics, like, well, there's racism here in the politics. But if I remember correctly, um, what about two years ago, um we found out that one of equinox's uh board members or guys that i guess is partial owner or something of of the equinox brand and and um, all the other like blinks and pure yoga and all that stuff that he was giving money to trump so you what what are we talking about here yep where is the where's the disconnect? Cause I don't see none
0: I feel like we need a whole other conversation just. <laughs> To talk about that, how you will have these white folks who will swear that they're not racist. Oh, yeah. And they say that because like, well, no, no, I I, I serve black people. Like, I'm a social worker. I'm a therapist. I'm a business owner. Like, I employ black people. I serve black people. Mm-hmm. But then they will vote for Trump. Oh, yeah. They're going to load up on their guns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't have any black relationships outside mm-hmm. of the people that they're profiting from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're not going to have black people in their homes. They're not going to have any kind of real tangible, you know, examples of this is how I support the black community. This is how I'm showing up and Mm -hmm. advocating for them. Mm -hmm. But I'm getting rich off of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do trouble (laughs) in graduate school. I'm going to try to be really, really nice, to be honest. But But that's how,
0: it it was so many reasons that I needed, so many reasons that I needed to have my own private practice. Mm -hmm. But that was at the top of the list. Mm -hmm. You're employing me for your company, but really I'm watching you and how you talk to Black people. Mm -hmm. I'm watching all these little, you know, all these, you know, Medicaid clients coming in. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're benefiting off of their dollars, Mm -hmm. but again, you're making decisions that are in your best interest and not in the best interest of the community.
1: Which is completely opposite of what we are told in social work school. Yes. Yes. Opposite. And it's, and here again, you know, this is where we can't be separating stuff. Even in Pilates, we are told to give the body in front of us what it needs. Hmm. it's the same thing it's the same thing that's what we're told but we don't do it yeah you know because um what is what who are we really benefiting you know there's no benefit for for white supremacy there's no benefit for for whiteness right and so the conditioning is like oh but you know but right. we gotta do this, you know. This must happen. This must happen. This this has to happen. You know. There's there's a there's a there's like a, a standards um, to how things work, you know, and how things are supposed to look. Just like there's standards, like we have standards in in um, in our social work practice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and many of those standards are not beneficial to our black and Brown clients at all. Mm -hmm. And then don't add in all the intersections being queer and trans and non-binary and disabled and all that shit. Don't add that shit in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's, you know, over in the fitness arena, right. Same thing. So where is, how can anyone say that, um, that, you know, it's, Oh, it's out of my, you know, that's that's out of my pay grade to talk about, you know, to be concerned with um racism and white supremacy within the fitness industry.
0: Yeah. Um, so I wanted to kind of transition a little bit Mm -hmm. and ask you, I know that you're getting your MSW soon. Yes. (laughs) Which y'all, she has a you've got Bachelor's of Social Work. Yes. So you've got your bachelor's in social work and you're going back to school to get your MSW. You guys follow her on Instagram. She's gonna um I'll have her, her Instagram links and all her other links um so that you can support her efforts and in, in getting her education and working for the community and continuing to do the good work. Any thoughts though? Cause I was just thinking about you and I was like, any thoughts on blending Pilates and therapy or fitness and therapy when you, you know, once you graduate or
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, uh, that's actually part of, part of my, part of my reason for going back to graduate school. I wanted to go like immediately after I got my BSW, but I got married and, you know, girls, shit was happening back then, but, you know, and then I had kids and all that stuff. So I don't have kids anymore. I mean, I got grown people, so it's just me. Um, but yeah, I don't, um, I'm, I'm a Sagittarius. And so we love a lot of things. Um, but I also feel like that, um, we are conditioned to believe that we have one specific purpose and one specific thing that we're supposed to be doing. And that's not true to me. That's also white supremacy as well. Um, I love a lot of things. People don't know that I am a, um, um, classically trained singer. I was trying to be out here, trying to get me a Grammy child. And then, you know, Pilates came and I started doing that. Right. But I still love to sing. I'm a damn good singer. You can have have recordings. I've written songs and things, things like that. But, you know, you also have seasons for things too. Right. I've always loved fitness, you know, Mm -hmm. came into Pilates. I didn't know what it was, but I was like, I really love this. I'm going to do this. Right. Powerlifting. Mm -hmm. That's my sport. Um, But I also and people don't believe it. I also really love social work, too. Mm -hmm. love that shit. You got to love it to be in it. And these things that that I love make a lot of money. (laughs) But what's important to me is is that I'm doing something that I really love that I would do for free and that and that makes me really happy. That's what I loved about my mom and how I tried to raise my kids. It's like she was like, I don't care what you do, as long as you're not going to jail, ain't nobody gonna die and I ain't gonna lose no money from it. Right. Cleaning toilets. If you happy yeah. enough, fine. You need to get out of my house, but fine. Like find something that you really love. And so that's that's what I did. That's what my brothers did. Um, and so as I was thinking about pursuing, you know, my MSW, I was just like, but I'm not going to leave the other things that I love behind. And to me, you can't have, I can't, um, I can't offer therapeutic services to someone without them without giving them um, something for their body, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, This is for their emotional support. Right. But what else therapy is not it is not the end all and be all, nor is fitness. Neither one can cure. But together, together, they can they can be a, a bigger, a bigger cure, I guess you could say. Right. So you can't, you know, yes, therapy is helpful. God knows. Cause I've been in it for a very long time and still been in it. Yes, we need that, but you're not just in therapy all day. It. You also need to move your body. Your body also has to, um, to be strong, to do everyday things. Right. And so movement heals just as much as therapy heals. So if you put the two together, you know, what a beautiful bath bomb. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That, that will be, um, and will it cure everything? No, but hell it'll get you, you know, it'll get you, uh, further than you were before. And so I think having the two melded together, um, is just, is, is a beautiful thing, you know?
0: Yeah, I do as well. And, and the reason i thought about that is i was coming from a trauma informed perspective mm-hmm. of how trauma impacts the body yes and how beautiful it would be if you were working in that space mm-hmm. and and able to, to pair you know, all of your knowledge, bring it all to the table and also helping client, you know, from a therapeutic perspective. Cause you're really, I'm sure in a lot of ways, you you haven't left your social worker. That side is coming out when you're working with clients. Mm -hmm.
1: Even in the fitness profession, you know, to me, our job is also to care, (laughs) you know, to be concerned about our, our clients, even though we're like, you know, it's exercise and stuff like that, but it is still they mind and their body and their spirit, right. That comes into our studios and our gyms as well. Their outside stuff that happens at home comes into our studios and -hmm. our gyms. So if they're dealing with some personal stuff, then I should know how to, I should know how to deal with it. Right. I can't be like, okay, well, you know, well, let's just get going here. Maybe that'll help. Yeah, Maybe not, you know, but I mean, but I'm also coming from um, I'm coming from a different background than many mm-hmm. people, you know, so I've dealt with mm-hmm. um, I've dealt with that type of trauma with my clients and, you know, had yeah. to do that and, you know, counsel them and all that kind of stuff. So I guess yeah. that's how everyone is going to react. But I but like you said, I haven't um, those skills are like, I mean, thank goodness for them. You know, it's a
0: part of you at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I have another question. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're listening to music, if you're a music person, I just believe you are because you already just said you're a classical classically trained singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of music do you listen to to get your body
1: moving? <laughs> I am a huge Meg Thee Stallion fan.
0: How did i know you were gonna say that
1: i just knew it i just knew <laughs> if you had asked me a couple of years if i would have ever been a huge meg the fan or even cardi b i would have said mm-hmm. i but meg like she is she literally she's my beyonce but even though if she does something wrong like i'll be like girl you wrong like i'm not that deep with anybody i love that she is Um, This black woman, this young black woman, young, educated black woman who is out here with this gorgeous body, just like ass everywhere, twerking whenever the fuck she wants to, being open about how she feels about sex, how she feels about doing whatever she wants to do um, and the freedom at which she does it, you know, Um, and her confidence and, you know, she's also from Texas. That's the other thing. Lots of good stuff comes from Texas. For you got ex. that right. <laughs> except, for, except for your exes. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love her music. I'm also, you know, I also love music from my own generation. I feel like we have, my generation of hip hop is like, it's amazing. Well, it's I mean, you know, Generation X we were the beginnings of hip hop and we're, we've seen it evolve. You know, I am familiar with the fathers of it and, and, and seeing the music evolve. I love my old school stuff and ratchet stuff. (laughs) Same, same. So who inspires you? It's kind of hard to say that there's like one person. I mean, I don't think that's the question that you're asking. If that's, if there's one person, I think I think there's like a bunch of different people, my kids, Mm -hmm. myself, (laughs) um, people who are um, underdogs, I guess you could say, Mm -hmm. um, who are not well-known in whatever industry, but are doing some really great work. Mm -hmm. Um, I have this, I feel like I talk about it all the time. My friend Teresa, who lives in Oakland, who has Pilates bar and jams she's this bald headed dark skinned queer as as a motherfucker lesbian <laughs> mm-hmm. um, who has built a business that's sustainable and she can do whatever she wants nobody can tell her what she wants to do um, her she does she inspires me um, my friends who do drag <laughs> You know, um, people like Justice uh, Williams, who has Fitness for All Bodies, um, Ilya Parker, who has uh, Decolonizing Pilates, not Decolonizing, that's me, Decolonizing Fitness, Um, you know, my trans family, they are my trans family. Um, Yeah, there's just, I mean, there's just not one thing. Sometimes music does. Yeah. Songs inspire me to do things um you have always you've been an inspiration as a friend. Oh, fellow social worker. Who makes you laugh? Who or what makes you laugh? Cat Williams. <laughs> I oh. love Cat Williams. I know that he's, you know, he's probably no bigger than I am, but I think I think he's one of the most brilliant comedians out there and if you watch his comedy like he has so many messages in there. And I mean, he cursed a lot, which is fine. I totally love it. But like, he has so many messages. And I, I mean, I just call him like a street prophet, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and you know, people probably think, you know, he's good or whatever. But that man is actually brilliant. My older brother turned me on to Cat Williams and he was like, man, listen, y'all don't know, but, mm-hmm. um, so if anybody is trying to find you on social
0: media or they want to connect with you or they want to support your work, can you share all of the ways that people can find you and support you?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, on Instagram, you can find me at the, T-H-E Sonya with a J, R, that's my middle initial, and Price, that's my name that I plan to buy back sometime soon. And my last name, Herbert, which is my married name I'm trying to get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole commentary on that whole thing. Right. But it's the Sonia R price Herbert, um, at on, that's on Instagram. Um, I also run two other platforms. Um, I run, I run black girl Pilates and it's just girl, no S Pilates with an S. I also run uh melanin brothers of Pilates. Um, and so those that's my Instagram on Facebook. You can find me personally. Um, Sonia R. Price Herbert. Um, yeah, I mean, that's mostly where I am. I mean, obviously I have a website, but you can always go in the link in my bio and my Instagram and see see all those things. And then if you want to, you know, Google is free too. And you can also, <laughs> you can Google my name and you'll see every article probably that I've been, I've written or articles where my name has been mentioned for some reason, podcast interview, there's pictures all that stuff so
0: yeah awesome well thank you so much for being on my podcast I've loved every bit of this conversation and you're so you're just amazing I just love you
1: I love you too this was a great conversation (laughs) I felt like we were just it's 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 like one of those fireside chats you know and people get to kind of sit in and and listen you know yes conversation between friends
0: yep Mm mm-hmm Thank you for joining me this week on When We Speak. Please make sure you visit the website at TashaHunterAuthor.com. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, I would appreciate leaving a rating. It will help others find the show more easily and hopefully be a benefit to them as well.